Thank you for reaching out through this message, Lord, all over the world, to whoever hears it. And heal them wherever they hurt, Father. Make them stronger. Help them to be healed in their bodies and empowered in their hearts and minds. Help them to understand and have a revelation of your love and prosper them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, if you would, you can turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 9. No, let's, let's just go to Daniel chapter 3 and John chapter 20. If you mark those two spots, you won't, you won't get behind. <laughs> I might touch on a few other scriptures if, as they come to mind, but you don't have to flip over. You just write them down. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. This is a this is a blessing to be here. And we're going to continue talking about the laws of God and how they pertain to the children of God for their benefit, how they're in place for us to prosper in this life while we're waiting on his return. Amen. God's power is governed by laws. We touched on this last week and for several weeks now. Spiritual laws. And God is not making determination case by case or prayer by prayer whether to grant you based on your deeds or misdeeds, your righteousness or the lack thereof. He has provided everything for us through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all things pertaining to this life and godliness. And if we put his spiritual laws in motion, then his power flows in our lives and will benefit us now in this life. But we are called to a life of faith. A life of faith. Faith is not sight. If we have faith in action, we don't go by what we see. We simply believe based on the truth of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we speak that faith because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then we get determined and we act upon our faith. Because James 2.17, James says, he teaches us that working faith has feet. In other words, it will compel you to act upon it if you truly believe something. If you believe this building was on fire, you would get up and exit the building. Romans 10.10 teaches us that with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness. He's justified this way. So it's a matter of the heart. We know that the heart of the Christian is the, the garden of the Christian. The heart is where we plant the word of God. And then we protect it 
and keep the weeds out and we keep Satan from entering in through our eye and ear gates and we keep him from coming in through strife and stress and the worries and cares of this life and of riches and all the things, the same old tired tricks that he tries upon us to steal the word. We nurture and protect the word and let it take root and bear fruit in our lives. All coming out of the heart. It's the heart of the matter. And so from the heart we believe unto righteousness. Righteousness is something that's received, not achieved. Christians everywhere are still trying to earn their way to heaven, earn a relationship with God. Trying to bribe Him by their good deeds. I've done this, so why, why won't you do this for me now? It doesn't work that way. We have to believe. Speak our faith. Be determined as the woman with the issue of blood was last week. And we talked about determination as a key ingredient in working faith. And it caused her to act upon it. To go to great measures. But she received everything she wanted and more from the Lord. All of our needs have been met. Look over in Philippians 4. If you have your Bibles with you. Told you you wouldn't have to, but you don't. But <laughs> I'm going to go there real quick just to make mention of this. Philippians chapter 4, I think it's the 19th verse. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. All of our needs are met in his presence. In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is something that needs to be cultivated. It's a relationship that we're after, not religion. Religion doesn't save anyone. Only a real relationship. Jesus is going to say to many on that day of judgment, depart from me. I never knew you. And these are people who said that they did mighty works in his name. Faith is confidence in an unseen reality. It doesn't ignore our natural senses, but it's not limited by them either. Our faith perceives the spiritual reality, the spiritual truths, without having seen it in the natural. And then it makes it true in the natural, because the natural will bend the knee, will step aside for the more powerful truth, the spiritual truth. Amen. Go over to Daniel. I just want to say one more thing about that righteousness. I feel like I skated over that too quickly. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. Go over here real quick. Thank you, Lord. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith? But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This is the most powerful truth that you can wrap your mind around. The Lord loves you. He is the only real salvation that God has provided for man. And all who put their trust in him, who believe upon him for their eternal destiny and this life, you will not be put to shame. Does that mean you will not have struggles and trials and tribulations? No, you will. He said so. But he will be with you. And as the storm rages rages around you, there is a peace. There is a place in him where you can rest and be at peace and have the joy of the Lord in the midst of the most trying circumstances. I always say that it's not the raging waters around the ship that causes it to sink, but it's the water that's allowed to get inside of the boat. Don't allow the storms of this life to get inside of you and steal your peace. You are to cast your cares upon the Lord Jesus Christ, for He cares for you. And this peace is a real and reigning peace. He says in John 14, 27, Peace I give to you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is our part. This is our part. Hallelujah. We need to have confidence in the unseen reality. Because God is true. God is real. And He is good. Back up just a couple of scriptures here. Romans 5, a couple of chapters. Romans 5, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Our righteousness is not achieved, it's received as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying here that trials and tribulations will come. And if we allow them, if we don't allow the storms to rage inside of us, but only around us, and we continue to rely upon Him, He will take all the things that the devil meant for evil and He will turn them and use them for the good. I've heard a story about a fellow that used to work in the... When he was going to school in the summers, he worked uh, for an oil company and they did offshore drilling. And before they would send these big pipes out to go and do the, the offshore uh, for, to, to transport oil uh, under the ocean floor, they would, they would not trust the manufacturers. And they would take and they would test these pipes again, even though they had already been x-rayed and tested before they were sent. But they would pressurize them with water. And I don't know how many... Thousands of pounds of pressure they would put upon these, on the inside of these, these pipes. And once in a while, a little, a little spray of water would come spewing out of that pipe. And then this young man would take and weld it and do all the things that were necessary to get it fit for use. Or they would discard it. And, uh, and, and that was his job. But one time he was doing this and when that, when that 
when that spray came out of it, the Lord told to him, told him, he said, you know, the, the pressure on that pipe did not cause that crack. It revealed it. And so if we will allow the trials and the struggles of our life to reveal in us the things that are not lining up with God, he will help us to not only fix those cracks, but make them stronger, make us stronger if we allow, if we allow. That's what he wants. He doesn't cause the things in our life, but sometimes they're allowed to reveal some things in us because he, we, as we continue to walk in faith, we're becoming more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to glory, faith to faith. Amen. I want to show you something because there are lots of reasons to allow the Lord to fix us, but it's not to receive, to be called righteousness, to be called righteous in his eyes because, because we have done better. It's not a do good, get good, do bad, get beat. If we do bad, we're going to open doors for the devil to come in and, and, and set up camp in our, in our lives. He's going to come in and kill, steal, and destroy. That's all that he wants to do. It's not God doing it. He has credited our account with righteousness based on our belief and our acceptance of his son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. But let me show you an example of working faith. Because our character and our faith are closely aligned. So you say, okay, you say you don't have to do good to be good in God's eyes because he sees you as this. Yes. But I'll tell you this, when our character is suffering, our faith will suffer. Our character suffers because our faith is suffering. Because if we, if we believe properly, we believe in the truth of God's word and the promises of God's word, our character would not lack in the areas that it does. Because it would, we have the mind of Christ. We, we know the truth of God's word. And when we know it and don't apply it, it's because of a lack of belief. And it's because of unbelief to some degree. So let's just look at working faith and what it, what it can produce. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. And I'll just lay a little preface. This is uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken the Israelites uh, and conquered uh, Israel and uh, taken uh, lots of the Hebrews uh, captive. And uh, this, is, uh, this is during the time of Daniel, who was a great prophet. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he prospered even in captivity as a slave of King Nebuchadnezzar, so much that King Nebuchadnezzar put him in charge of Babylon. <laughs> and then, and then Daniel uh, asked, and uh, the king allowed him to appoint three other men to uh, to uh, handle the affairs of, you know, to be his to 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 be his uh, sort of his cabinet, I guess you would say. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so, in Daniel three, it tells the story of how King Nebuchadnezzar began to believe his own press and. And how wonderful he was. And he, he, he had a, a giant statue 
60 cubits uh, high. Um, and uh, he had, a, had this giant statue of himself made. And he, uh, he made a law that everyone, when they heard all the music, the different, different types of uh, musical instruments all going off at once, that everyone would stop wherever they were, they would bow down and worship this thing. And if they didn't, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace and killed. And so, and everybody did it, and uh, except for uh, some of these Hebrews. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not, and uh, because they, they had one, they knew the one true and living God, and they weren't about to bow down to this thing and corrupt their conscience. So, anyway, long story short, it comes to a head. There's some jealous uh, people from the, the peoples of the Chaldeans of uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and they came and uh, in meanness, they accused these Jews. They declared, uh, this is uh, starting in verse 9, they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever, came uh, kissing up, and in verse 10 it says, You, O king, have made a decree, reminding him of his law, that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, so fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So, not only was he outraged with these young men, but he also challenged their God. I believe that he thought if he brought them into his presence and threatened them, and he would frighten them into submission, but he did not. Let's read on. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, And said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God to worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, 
The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. It was so hot that the men that threw them in there burned alive. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. (laughs) Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Not only did they come through it smelling, not even with the smell of smoke, Not burned or harmed in any way. But they caused this great king to repent. And to to declare the goodness of God. And to command that everyone else recognize it as well. What a great testimony for these young men. And they were promoted as well. People say, oh I would love... To experience that sort of thing. Well let me tell you. Where Jesus is. That's where it's at. That's the safest place to be. Even if. It's in the fire. Amen. Amen. Because I want to tell you today. I don't know. Of too many Christians. And I'm not even claiming myself. I I pray that I would be strong enough. But I don't know too many Christians. That would be strong enough to endure this. And to state with confidence that God would deliver them no matter what. To put themselves in a position to receive. And to be with the fourth man in the fire. Because they had to go all the way. All the way. To experience this great deliverance. And experience and the presence of God in such a tangible way. We need to ask ourselves today, what do we expect from God? How strong is our faith? Not in a condemning way, but just 
Take an account of where you stand with God. What do you believe in God for? How far are you willing to go to receive from God the things that he's provided through the atonement? When have you made God your only solution, your only way, your only door, your only exit, your only strategy? Because I want to tell you, what we expect from God is what we're going to get from God. So what do you expect from God? How do you see Him today? Our expectations in large part will dictate our experiences with God. You get that? Our expectations of God or from God will dictate our experience with God. Let's look over in John chapter 20. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. A good example here in the scripture. Let's look in on Jesus. The morning he was resurrected from the dead. John chapter 20. And let's start around the 11th verse. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Okay, so let me just back up a little bit. I'm going to tell you this is uh, the, the first day of the week when Mary Magdalene had come to the tomb early in the morning. And uh, they saw the stone had been rolled away. So she went and told Peter and, and, and Peter and, and John. They ran down and, and, uh, and, uh, and then but John looked inside and saw that it was empty. And, and they went away with their heads hung down. But Mary was still there, Mary Magdalene. She had been with Jesus. His entire ministry, just like so many others, the three and a half years of his ministry, she had gone where he went and served him and and been a part of the ministry. And here we are on the morning of his resurrection and look at the 11th verse. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Praise be to God. Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first, did she? Wow, isn't that amazing? She had been with him his entire ministry. You can see that. In, it, it starts off in, in Luke chapter 8. The uh, first few verses I think you can read and see. But Jesus, he was, he was, he loved Mary in, the, in, in a way that caused him to honor her to be the first one to see him risen, didn't he? 
But she still didn't recognize him at first. I can tell you, she didn't expect to see him alive. She didn't expect to see him alive. And you know what? I think there are still a lot of people that think of Jesus. They, they hang him on the cross in their, in their house. And they see him hanging there. Listen, he's not there anymore. Neither is he in the tomb. He's alive and well. And this is how you need to see him. This is how you get your hopes up for the things that he's provided for you by grace. All the peace, love, and joy that you will ever need for this life is right inside of you in your born-again spirit. And you need to learn to draw upon the character of God. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things are in you, full-grown and full-blown. But you need to practice these things, the character of God, to strengthen it in your natural life. Amen. Mary didn't recognize Jesus. But it was him. He's alive. And he's still alive today. God's the same all the time. No matter what we think of him. But we're only going to experience him. As we think that he is. That's why I said, what do you expect from God? And how do you see God? Because this has a great deal to do with your experience of God. If you think that he doesn't heal people, if he doesn't heal the sick, then you're not going to be able to to receive healing until you change your thinking. If you don't believe that he works miracles today, then you're going to see very little miracle working power in your life. They may be going on all around you, but you're not going to recognize them as being from God. If you don't believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real, then you're not going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to not enjoy the power and the victory that it provides for the believer. If you don't believe that he is the risen Christ, then you may sit in a dead church or dead denomination or a dead religion. Because it's a fundamental truth and a necessity for the mind and heart of the believer to see him as alive and well. And he's returning Not as a suffering savior, but as a conquering king. So what do you believe? Do you believe that God is angry with you? I've known preachers that they just preached how God was going to get you all the time. And I believe that they saw him as an angry father. I think a lot of it has to do with our experience with our natural fathers. In In a culture where... Things have changed so drastically over the last 50 years the numbers of homes without a father has skyrocketed the breakdown of the family i believe has a lot to do with the breakdown of faith and the church 
But we are believing for revival. And I believe that God has great things in store, not only for the world, but for this nation. I know that these are trying times. You can look around and if you go by sight, you can be depressed. But depression is not of God. It's a demonic spirit. You need to run it off. You need to be thankful. Every time you start feeling sorry for yourself or getting depressed about anything, you need to recognize that these are not things of God. And you need to look around and find something to be thankful for. Find someone else to do something good for. And watch as the Lord begins to change your perception of things. Angry people and people that are that have self-pity, are not thankful people. They're not prayerful people. And I'm not saying this to be critical. I'm telling you, as a wake-up call, I'm challenging people to do a self-test and to find out where you're at. Because there are solutions for all of these things, and they're all found in the living and loving Jesus Christ. In relationship with Him. But you have to believe That he is who he says he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What do you believe? If you think he's angry with you, then you're not going to experience the pleasure that he has in you. Even though in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 it says that we are accepted in the beloved. If you think that he has forsaken you, that he has left you. And that he's refusing to work in your life or move in your life or answer your prayers. Then you're not going to experience his presence even though he says he'll never leave you, never forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 and several other places. Mary recognized Jesus when he called her name. It's that personal relationship that she had with him that finally reached her that opened her eyes the sound of his voice calling her name we all need to learn to listen for his voice as he calls our names today and we need to see him as he really is alive and active and powerful and loving and caring with our heart we believe unto righteousness and with our mouth, we speak and are, and are saved. Working faith does not let unbelief hinder or poison that pure faith. We magnify the Lord. We focus on the Lord. We go to Him daily and we, we receive the daily manna from heaven. We don't just listen to a message once a week or... A daily devotional. We have to experience him by being best friends with him. That's where our help is. And that's who he is. That's who he wants to be in your life. He's not going to change. He's already there. He's already in love with you. He's already waiting for you. It's our minds. It's It's our hearts that need to change. And know how much He loves us and how much He cares for us. And we'll begin to experience 
Because it makes you strong in your faith. When you really believe how much He loves you and how powerful and caring He is and that He has your picture in His wallet, it will cause you to be strong in your faith. You will be able to endure all manner of suffering and persecution for His sake and not be moved by it. And I think this is so important in the coming years and days to come. Wherever the fourth man is, that's the safest place to be, even if it's in the midst of the fire that's turned up seven times hotter than normal. If that's where you're called to be with with the Lord, then do it. He's going to be there for you, and you'll come out of it not even smelling like smoke. If he says, come to me on the waters, you take off walking. Because that word has within it all the power and provision that you need to accomplish the task. He loves you today, and so do I. God bless you all. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this day. Thank you for opportunity to grow closer to you and to know you better. And just to grow in our trust and belief of who you are and what you have done for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen.